Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, podcast number 31. With me tonight is special guest Kimberly. Hi, everybody. You know, I just call hey, you Kimberly. Kim. Is it Kim or Kimberly? It's what? really either one. Let's it, go with Kimberly for okay. tonight. All right. And of course, always, you know, Mac, who is also Sean. Hello. I am both. I encompass both. And then the man with only one name. Plus a last name and middle name. <laughs> Ian. Hello, everybody. How are you guys doing tonight? Doing all right. Yeah? Doing good. Good. Came back from visiting with my parents today. Okay. Well, you made it back okay, so. I did. All right. So I think we've got a uh, we've got a lot to pack into this show, I think. Well, we've had a busy couple weeks. It seems like it. So, um, Ian, uh, you want to get us started with the, uh, what is this, the Cryptid Science Society? Yeah. Okay. The weekend before last, I was at a steampunk convention um, called AnomalyCon at the Tivoli. Um, this was at, the event itself was actually put on by the Crypto Science Society there. Basically, they are a group of students who um, study the paranormal and do your basic ghost hunting. So one of the events they had both um, Saturday and Sunday was a haunted tour of the Tivoli and the surrounding um, buildings in Aurora campus. So how was that? So, I mean, basically, I guess, what what is their approach? Well, actually, it was interesting, the tour itself, because at first, you know, I, I just sat and listened and followed them around to the buildings as she talked about them. And then she mentioned EVPs. And I couldn't help myself. I, I started laughing, of course. Um, then she asked if anyone knew what EPs were. Of course, I raised my hand. And when she pointed at me, okay, what are they? I, the, the question that had to come out was, do you want my take on it or do you want what um, the paranormal um, people believe? And automatically at that point, she knew I was a skeptic. But she was good-natured about it from there on. But they basically, um, a lot of your standard stuff, you know, like I said, they do EVPs, um, uh, they, they have videos and stuff on their website. I haven't had a chance to really do much with their website yet, but we do have a link for it. And is EVP um, electronic voice phenomenon? Is that what yes. it is? Yes. That, that's what um, what our good buddy uh, – oh, um, what, what is – What was his name? Christopher Moon? Christopher Moon in his Frank's box. Right. Yeah. But um, like I said, see, we, we talked a bit after the tour because I only took it Saturday. Apparently, she did a much better tour on Sunday. I kind of wish I would have done it on Sunday as well then. I was more interested in the history of Auraria Campus than anything else. For those who don't know, Auraria Campus is um, an area in downtown Denver that um, houses... All right, so I'm sorry about that. So a little technical difficulty. So we, I think we were, we were talking about EVPs. Right. Kimberly had asked about um, what if EVPs were electric force phenomenon. What was the last thing you got? Do you know? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Well, basically, we were saying how they were the same thing that um, Chris Moon. Christopher Moon, Moon used. Right, and the Frank's box. Yeah. And then I started going on about the site itself um, and um, what are our campus. So I guess I'll start there. Um, okay. For listeners who don't live in Colorado and aren't familiar with the Rarier campus, it is uh, located right in Denver, and it is basically a campus shared by several different colleges. And the Tivoli, um, which was originally a brewery, then became a shopping center, is now the um, student, whatever it's called. See? I got me forgetting the words. Um, but um, so the various student bodies use the Tivoli for their um, activities and such. And so the Crypto Science Society knows that area really well. In fact, from what I heard, most of their um, 
explorations of the paranormal have been in um, the buildings there because um, they have some of the oldest buildings in Denver on the campus. So and, go ahead. I was going to say, I mean, uh, so but when they do these investigations, do they find ghosts? Uh, they have EVPs. They have videos. Um, they don't have anything, you know, like all the other ghost hunting stuff. They don't have anything of definitive proof. But, you know, they follow up the stories that everyone has of hearing sounds, seeing images and such. Most of um, the stories she had, um, I wish I could remember her name right now. She's the president of the society, I think, who gave the tour. Um, but most stories were basic, you know, the sound, a feeling, a shadow, something like that. You know, there was only one thing that was almost like an interactive ghost. And that was, um, I believe, the ghost named Molly. It's a young girl ghost, you know, a little girl, who actually, who they believe the ghost to be of, died as, you know, an old woman, died in her old age. But in her youth, her father was um, owned the brewery, and she had free run of the area. And so, supposedly, when she died, her spirit reverted to her, her happy time, and somehow went back to the Tivoli area to haunt it, is what, how the story goes. Um, how, uh, how commonly reported is this among people who report ghost phenomena? Um, a ghost changes from one age to another. That I don't know. I, I don't know enough about uh, all that, but that's the story that she had. Because so. I'm, I'm thinking that the only, you know, the only reported case of that I ever saw was the end of Titanic. So <laughs> I, I haven't done enough ghost hunting to know, but, um, as I was telling them before we had the technical difficulties, uh, one of the interesting things was on Sunday, I learned that the founder of the Cryptic Society was a friend of mine from Boy Scouts. And um, Jason Cardova, and apparently he founded it. He's no longer the president because he's graduated, but he's still active with it. But he can't you know, be part of the governing body of it. And I thought that was rather interesting. We talked a bit. Um, the, the, the group itself is... It's not these diehard freaks that believe, you know, everything's haunted. They do seem to be a bit more science-based. Um, admittedly, yeah, they do the EVPs and such. Uh, but they seemed at least serious enough that they were trying to really determine if there were ghosts or not. Um, I have invited them to check out our podcast and um, join us if they wanted to, because I felt it would actually make an interesting podcast to have some people who are not quite as diehard skeptics as us come in and, you know, give their take on it all. Sure. So we thrive on differing opinions. Right. So hopefully we'll hear. That's why we added Eric to the call. (laughs) (laughs) Is he here? Hey, Eric. Hello. I just had to segue you in there somehow. (laughs) But so and I said, hopefully we'll hear from them. Um, the tour, my understanding, was better on Sunday than Saturday because he was more prepared. She, um, she didn't have somebody cramping her style. <laughs> Ian. Well, <laughs> although it was interesting because every time she'd stop and mention, you know, a, a form of ghost technology or whatever, she'd look at me. <laughs> Like, okay, I'm not going to say anything. I'll be nice. <laughs> Is it, isn't it amazing, though, that, you know, we're talking about EVPs, and we met Kimberly when we went to go see the Frank's Box? Right, huh? the Chris Moon thing. Yeah, yeah. See? See the connection? Yeah. <laughs> EVPs have brought us together. Oh. They'll probably tear <laughs> but, us apart, uh, So, um, check out their website, and if you um, can find their videos and stuff, you know, judge them for yourself. That's one thing we have always promoted. But we do have a link to the website. All right. And I guess move on. All right. Well, so now this uh, this week, uh, last Wednesday, uh, um, Kimberly and myself went to see Brazo the Gazer. So uh, 
Yeah, we had a pretty good group of about uh, about a dozen of us skeptics went, right? Yeah, I think. Uh, well, yeah, because in fact, it was I think it was exactly twelve of us. Yeah, and it was transformative. I understand. Absolutely. So, so Kimberly, what did you what did you think? I mean, I, I was going to kind of walk them through it. Um, okay. And that's why I had my special music that I was going to you know play. And I guess I can. It isn't. I I I wanted to play the recording, but it's it's not good enough to play. Um, this, but you know, you, you go in there and there's this this nice mellow music that stays pretty much at the same rhythm the whole time, and this woman is singing, and it, you know, it's very they're really trying to relax you and and really make you susceptible to to the experience that you're supposed to have when when you're seeing Brazo. Brian, do you want me to share my impressions of the music? Uh, well, let me. I, I'll play. Uh, I'm gonna play. Uh, I don't know where I put it now. Well, you look for it. If I can just let people know, the, the way it works is they, they had it in hour sessions. So basically on the half hour, they filled a conference room, and there were probably a good 500 seats in there. <clears throat> we had people lined up. We apparently attended the last uh, gaze, I guess. I, I want to say show if that's too insulting, but the last one of the evening for that day. Um, and there were people there apparently who bought all day passes. They kept going from one session to another. So they file us into this room and we were pretty close to the front, but that room went really far back. It was really packed with a lot of people. There was probably, and as Brian was saying, there was, there was the soothing music to get you started and then, Soporific um, music. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and it just, oh, there it is. So here, this is, this, I actually, they, they gave us a free download. So I went and I, and I, and this is the piece that I downloaded. Um, let's let, I don't, I don't think it's the same piece as they were playing when we walked in, but I'm going to play this. It's just a really nice, this, actually it's not because, well, it might be. It's very similar. I, I, I would not be able to tell you the difference between yeah. them. I don't even know if she did more than one song the whole time. No, I don't think she did. Wow. That, okay. that was the other thing is that. I just yeah, so, so, oh, wow. <laughs> I, you know, the, the woman singing has a pretty soprano voice. Okay, but it's fine. But, it, it's fine for a minute or two, but after 18 minutes, I was irritated. <laughs> but everybody everybody else around there is like, you know, they're just, they're, 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 they're literally basking in it is the only way that I can <laughs> really describe it is they were basking in it. Um. And you mean tell me they're already high before they got gazed at? I, I don't know. I, I, basically, basically, if Enya and a downtown elevator had a child together, it would sound a lot like that. Yeah. So it's it basically you know, and you know, just just the 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 words you know are, are are real simple, and she just you know I you know I am opening <laughs> to your love. I mean, that's, okay. that's basically it. That, they're the words. I mean, whoo, boy, that was a tough one to write. Let's see. <laughs> you know, so. Yeah, that doesn't have any sexual. Um, oh, see, you see, but I'm not... sure we could make some sexual. English. All right. So anyway, so but... so we go through that, right? And so in, so they, they're trying to get you into this nice hypnotic state, right? And and then we have the, the, the uh, lady come out. Her name is uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher this the lat probably and it's probably simple. Uh, it's Jane Sabret S I B B E T T. Sounds like Sabretti. Yeah, Sabretti. And she is an actress, and she um she played uh Roz's ex or ex wife on Friends. 
And uh, not that I guess that probably that doesn't have anything to do with it. I mean, she she it, but she definitely you know she she's very comfortable in front of a crowd. She has a very soothing voice herself, and she comes out and she starts talking to you. And and basically they they they're pretexting you for what you're supposed to experience. They're basically telling you what what you're going to feel. You're going to feel it, and then they use you know the usual um, keywords energy. You know you're going to feel the energy, and they and they, and they you know they ask you know how many people are, are have been here all day. You know it um, sounds a little bit like if you don't feel the energy, you'd feel a little shame not to feel well, the energy. And, and that's I, I think because that's everybody of, should feel the energy, of course. Exactly, everybody should feel it, and so so there's a little of that going on. So, but they're 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 getting you set up for what you're supposed to because process energy. You know, in what what's funny about it though is that they don't allow people that are um, under 18 in. You have to be 18 years of age to go in there, and you can't be pre- uh, you can't be pregnant beyond past the first trimester. Wait a minute, Brazo can't gaze at it. Yeah, Brazo cannot gaze at anybody under the age of consent. Uh, apparently not. Okay. I don't think that's quite the way they put it. But uh, you know, yes. when I first saw the name in there, Brazo the gazer, the gazer, my first thought was, is that a description of what his police report said? Or now I'm going back with that theory again. <laughs> You're terrible. So yeah, so no, but the but the idea that they're presenting. It is not necessarily so um, so malice, I guess, um, but just basically that it's too powerful, you know. And, and they, they certainly so Brazo uh, has the ability to abort children. Apparently, yes. Okay. Apparently, Brazo can't <laughs> abort children if if you uh, if you if you're gazed at and you're past the. And I would think to me it, it would make more sense. And I'm pretty sure I read it right. Um, I don't have it right in front of me. Um, it would make more sense that, that you had to be past the first trimester. But I'm sure, pretty sure that it said if you're past the first trimester, you couldn't go in there. You know, but it, I don't know. What I mean, whatever, right? I don't know. It so, seems the cast is gazing in a in a much more sinister light at that point. Well, it, a lot of this is it's all about you know mystery mongering. You know, they're, they're I, really I know. building I, the mystery of Brazo, and then they tell talk to us about how Brazo has made a um, uh, and I don't know to who. But he has has made a uh, a vow not to speak in public. Okay. So he doesn't speak in public, um, and so only very few people are blessed enough to hear Brazo's voice. But well, that night, if there's any people present, that sounds like that would be public. So really, he couldn't speak with anybody except he was in the room. Okay, but they're well. The she blessed she explained how people would come up to him asking, I guess, for life advice and stuff like that, and he would just nod at them, and she wanted people to understand if you met him, you know, and he didn't speak to you, he wasn't being rude, He's he's got this vow, and, and, and like okay. Brian's saying, adding to the mystery. And also, you know, I'm sure, Brian, you're going to hit on the fact that um, Bra- Brazo doesn't make any claims that can be disproven. Oh, yeah. He's letting other people make claims. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes, people that. people have been known to experience this energy. Right. So, but so the next thing that they do, though, um, they they talk a little bit about people who's had who have it who have had experiences with Brazo. And the first one that they told us about is uh, this lady named Jill, and she she had the week before been at Brazo in Portland. So she not only was at she 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 followed Brazo out to Denver so that she could see him again, but she had seen him in Portland uh, the week before, and she had spent the day there. And she had been talking to her daughter, you know, asking her daughter if she felt the energy. And, you know, her daughter couldn't talk because she was driving. And so and so at the end of the last session, she had this profound experience, which I, I don't know what, what that was exactly because that wasn't the story that she was telling. 
Um, she goes home and she's uh, in the in the car with her brother and telling her brother about the experience. And her brother says, "Well, what time did that happen?" And she says, "Why?" She says, "Well, because at, at our house something happened. Um, my, his one of his his daughter had gone and got a bunch of money out of her savings savings account and paid back her brother um, money that he had she had owed him and healed their relationship." And everybody's all clapping, and she and the ladies. Isn't it amazing that Brazzo's energy can work like that? And so I'm going, what's the logical fallacy? And I couldn't pin it down at the time, but Mac and I pinned it down. It's post hoc ergo proctor hoc. Proctor hoc, yes. Proctor hoc, yes. I'd like to share a Brasso experience. I didn't go with you guys, but you guys went to see Brasso, and I drove across town and arrived safely at my parents' house today. Wow. And I attribute exactly. that to Brasso's Well, and, and that's what and they his, tell you to and do. And his positive energy in my life. Right. So that's exactly what they tell you to do. You know, they, I mean, and the other thing is is the law of large numbers. Somebody's going to end with as many people as they're seeing. Somebody's going to have an experience that they can share. Now, for me, one person out of the however many people were there, 500 or so, is a very small hit. 500 t- times how many different shows per day? Well, exactly. So, I mean – Sorry, if, not shows, gazes. Right, ga- yeah, right, <laughs> not shows. You guys can't see me, but I'm putting up quotation fingers. Okay. So, yeah. So no, that's, you're not. That's the other thing that they're doing is is they're, they're – they're, they're, um, I mean the the law. I mean, just the amount of people that are saying somebody's going to have an experience and they're going to attribute it to Brazo, and you're encouraged to do so. You know, it may not happen today, but you know, it may take some time. You know, watch it. You got to kind of watch it for you know, you know, for some time and, and see if anything happens later. So they're they're, Brian, they're gearing you up to to if you have an experience later to attribute it back to Brazo. Brian, Brazo just admit your life has been changed because of this. <laughs> Given everything good from here on out in your life. Is because you were gay to that. We know uh, that now. All right, all right. <laughs> and everything good that happens to us because of it. It's all interlinked. The one well, gay because been... Brian was gazed at. Yeah. Uh, well, they they went into the uh, <clears throat> the magic of of Brasso is you don't even need to hold up pictures of other people to get the power of his gaze to affect them. It apparently can go through your phone. Um, if you have pictures in your wallet, those people will be affected. I mean, the claims were, were pretty amazing. And, and, you know, like you're saying, so far reaching. Anything that happened to anybody within a week or two of, you know, you going, it's it's that six degrees of Kevin Bacon or six degrees of Ratza, you know? Okay, so hold on a second, hold on a second. So if you have pictures in your wallet, Brasso's gaze can affect those people in your wallet as well. That's right. Yes. You don't, and so, they, don't, they didn't want you taking them out in the middle of the gaze because you didn't need to. The gaze is that powerful. <laughs> and even if they were okay. on your phone and your phone was off, he the gaze would affect the pictures even on your memory card that wasn't powered at the time. Wow. That's impressive. I need to check now and find out if – because I'm sure people had $5 bills in their pocket. I need to find out if Lincoln is still assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes and then she goes even further and says, sometimes I even just forget the pictures and they're in my purse. So the pictures now don't even have to be in the room. Right. So you yeah. just have to be aware of the, of the the presence of the pictures, or maybe possibly just of the existence of pictures in general. Exactly. Or yeah. I, think, I think just the existence of other people in your life, because we're of course all connected by that soul chi energy. <laughs> and if you know that person, and Brazzo can go through your head through that spiritual connection and positively affect their lives as well. Okay, so he doesn't even have to be concentrating on those people to positively affect their lives. So he well, might help an enemy of yours. Brazzo is just sending out energy. 
He's not focusing on anybody. And then, but then they talk about how now, but he's a healer who would never make a claim to be a healer. He doesn't make, so they don't make any claims whatsoever after they tell us all these things about the pictures and all that. But he, you know, you know, he doesn't make any claims and we don't really understand how the energy works. And people will come and ask me, you know, how do you know which, which, you know, which miracles are Bratzos and which ones aren't? And he says, you know, I, I, we, we don't know, you know, we just know that, you know, that Bratzo, that, it, that Bratzo's energy is doing these things, but we're not going to test it right she actually said out loud it's not like we'd want to test this right which was probably the most individual line of shock in the whole yeah which is what I, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, and yeah. probably about it, the most honest they get throughout the whole thing from the sounds of it right yeah so uh, yeah so they're not making any comments but the other thing that they did the other testimonial that they had was the skeptic who got dragged there and then had had something. Um, he then all of a sudden his business takes off, and he, he becomes very busy. He has to hire somebody to help him, and he goes and finds Jan and says, "You know, all, uh, all of a sudden this morning my business was really busy, and the only thing that I could think of was was Brazo." It's like so was we. His, so, you know what? What was his business? I don't know. They didn't say. They didn't because say. Because you guys were engaged and are doing this podcast now. This podcast is going to take off, and we're going to have the biggest um, following we've ever had. Excellent. So yeah, and that, that also that that same story about that guy was also the famous cliche of the skeptic who now believes. Exactly, yes. I thought that of was course. a lot of fun right. too, because well, it, all the skeptic really needed was just the experience, the proof of it. And now, no matter how skeptical you are, and this guy apparently was like the biggest skeptic ever, um, but now now he's over. So that was another another toy in the mix of of all the the the, the cliches they were using to. To, to play this right so it's, of it's all part of building you know that this you know that the, the, they've got all the pieces right they've got they, they they've got you know the the confessionals of people the testimonials they've got these skeptics conversions you know and so they're building they they keep building this right and they do this all before Bratzo comes out that they're 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 building Bratzo up i'm wondering if if you had gone to other gazes during the day if you would have heard the same stories being told over and over again by the same people shilling you know that's I a good question i don't think they needed to yeah i, I don't... think they had enough true believers in that room that i think keeping it down to just a couple of stories was probably more work than needing to reshill ah yeah i would imagine understood. that that's true yeah but i i attribute eric's presence here tonight to brasso's gaze there you go you know, and then, so already so, positive things are working for us. So the other thing they tell us is that, you know, Bratzo doesn't speak in public, but tonight we're going to have a special um, hearing of Bratzo's voice. So they're going to – so not, so tonight we're not even going to get gazed at by Bratzo. We're going to hear a recording of his voice. So it's like, you know, so – and, you know, I unfortunately the people that were in front of us were younger people, and they were, they were not having the dramatic reactions that I was hoping for. Did you see any good reactions I mean, really good reactions. I saw, I saw one woman kind of shaking and crying a couple of rows ahead of us. But, yeah, it was almost unfortunate to be so close to the front of the room. Yeah. While we were very close to the gaze, I would have kind of almost liked to be in the back and got more of that audience appreciation yeah. out of the thing. And, unfortunately, I, I don't have – I'm, I'm going to have to grab the – as soon as um, – I'll have to talk to Karen Stolls now. She got some really good pictures of all the people in that auditorium because it was, it was just packed, and they just kept packing them in because Bratso doesn't want to turn away anybody he's not going to turn away your eight bucks so they just kept packing them in so finally after they do all this talking and, and they basically told us they've used all the you know the the energy word and you know this spiritual word and they've used all that they've got us they've got us geared up we're ready now for Bratzo's gaze because they, they've done all their pre-work they come out 
Brazzo gazes, and uh, you know, y- you can't. A lot. I heard some people say that they really thought Brazzo believed it, you know, because like he he was that intense with his stare. But you know, for me, I I couldn't tell. Um, I didn't know whether he was genuine or not, and it really didn't matter. I I don't really. I'm not really concerned whether he thinks he's genuine. I'm more concerned with what is there any evidence for it. So we get gazed at for ten minutes. And uh, Kim, what did you think of the case? It was it was definitely interesting. So he comes out and he just stands on this little stage in front of the room, and and literally the entire thing is a loop of music and him kind of just slowly scanning the room, left to right, right back to left, and everybody standing and and um, and just kind of all looking at him. Um, it seems, I mean, you know, obviously for someone who didn't say a word to any of us, certainly not in English. Later he was recorded in Croatian, but I didn't catch most of that or any of it. But, um, I mean, he does, he's got a very kind look about him. He looks nice for lack of a better word. Um, and he, he also seems very comfortable. He, his hands are at his side. He's not fidgety at all. He's just got this very calm gaze throughout the audience. And I think, I think he's kind of the way he does it. I bet everybody in there thought that he was looking right at them at one point or another. You know, I would that make yeah, sense. That's what I was going to say because because I, I told Rich Orman um, that I was going to gaze back at him, and so and I did. I gazed back at him hard, and it really wow, does. But you exchanged energies with him. Ryan. I did. Who blinked? Who blinked first? Oh, I, I, I uh, you know, he blinking is part of his shtick. I don't know. Ah, okay. he, he does blink Still. pretty, pretty irregularly. So he doesn't. Are it you... isn't staring. So yeah, I mean, so much as just it really is. I guess gazing. He blinks. Gazing is the right word. Yeah, gazing really is the right word. But the one thing is, is that I, Kim is right because you know that you know he's got bright lights in his eyes. Um, in that auditorium, he cannot see anybody, but yet you feel like you're being gazed at. You feel like you're locking eyes with him. It really right. does feel that way. That's a fairly common stage trick. Actors know how to do that. Right. You know, it's one thing to do on stage because you want that audience connection. Right. Make so. them feel part of the, you know, like they're part of it. Yeah, right. So we did that. She comes out. Then they then they do Brazo's voice. And he's speaking in Croatian. And, you know, I... I you know the the thing about it. I mean, it's it's more of the mystery, right? Because nobody in there speaks Croatian. I I doubt it. And you you, you occasionally will hear words that sound like English, and you'll hear uh, Brazo. So he says his name a couple of times, and that you know. And Karen talked. Karen kind of a li- not doesn't speak Croatian, but speaks a language close enough that she caught some of it. And I, I, what she kind of said at dinner afterwards was that he was kind of reassuring people that he was with them that. Um, that he, he was, you know, kind of on their side and helping them even afterwards. Karen's a linguist, isn't she? She is, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so, okay. Well, that's interesting. Rosso himself says that he is not a healer and that it is not him who is helping the people. He sends his love and his warmth to the people, but he feels that something positive is flowing through him while he is gazing that reaches deeply within people and transforms so many. There you okay. go. Yeah, so. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure I have anything more to say on it. I mean, it was it was interesting, but they they don't want to prove it. There's no evidence that it works, and they're not. They then why would they provide any? They have no incentive to do so because every single person that was there didn't care. Well, not every single person. There was there was twelve of us that did care. <laughs> So yeah, we were a lot of true believers in there. Yeah. Uh, like you say, a lot of people who, you know, and it really speaks, I think, to that believer mentality. These are people who wanted to be touched. And and I back before you start, um, <laughs> I've listened to enough of these to know. Um, 
But uh, you know what I'm saying? Like these people are looking for connection. And, and in a way, it's nice that they have a feeling of that connection. And at the same time, it is just a little bit sad to realize how many people are, are that lonely, that they're signing up to do this all day long, to, to be gazed at, to just to feel that somebody somebody is looking at them. Kind of bizarre. Yeah. You know, it is quite the experience, though, and you know, and my my mother would be one that would love this. I mean, she she didn't uh, she she didn't get to go, um, but it's funny because the day the, after I told her, you know, well, she doesn't like my take on it, of course. Some of her friends told her that there was a faith healer in town, and she she thought it was funny that I knew the faith healer was in town, and she didn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's the other thing is I, I really wonder how people knew about it. I mean, we knew about it because of Meetup and, and, you know, people who are like, hey, let's go check this out since we're skeptics. Let's see what this is all about. So we got that message. I, I just I was so wondering where all these other people heard about it from. Yeah, I don't know. Again, it's, it just kind of speaks to that. There's a whole subculture that um, – you know, we don't know about, or I don't anyway. Well, yeah. Well, you've, you've got to wonder how much of it is grassroots and how many of these people are people like the lady f- that you were talking about who followed him from Oregon. Right. So how many of these people are following him like 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 uh, uh, like a VW bus full of Grateful Dead fans? Right. They say when he's, a, when he's in Croatia and he's doing his gazing that he is um, seeing about 10,000 people a day at eight bucks a pop. That's, you know, $80,000. Oh, wait, wait. When he's in Croatia, he doesn't charge for anything. Are you sure? That's what it said. Oh, it does. Oh, I didn't get that. Okay. It didn't say. It said that he only charges a small fee to cover the events. Okay. Well. And I think it said somewhere in there also that he also did not accept donations. Let me take a look here. Um... I think he does purport that. I think it's just kind of written in he that. He does kind of not accept way. donations, okay. and the sessions are always free at his center in Zagreb. Really? You know, he he has a day job. Um, isn't he an engineer? I haven't read that uh, read that article yet. But Kim, you read an article about him, right? Yeah, the, they had one in a, a magazine they were giving out at the event, and yeah, it said that he's an engineer. He's married. He's got two kids. They kind of try to make him out as just you know regular guy who just happens to be blessed and/or cursed with this ability, and he's making you know he's sharing it with people for the benefit of humanity. Okay. Hmm. All right. So let's say that he actually does believe what he's doing, and he he really believes what he's doing is for people's benefit. You know, maybe. Maybe people see his gaze and they're attributing all these fantastic things that have happened to their lives, but maybe they're feeling a little bit better about themselves. So, you know, on that level, maybe there's not any real harm. You know, but on the other hand, there's the other hand. Well, you know, okay, here's the thing that always worries me about faith healers. But when I think faith healer, I think Peter Popoff, I, you know, and, uh, um, um, Pat Robertson and uh, Oral Roberts. And these guys really were, you know, taking a lot of money from people. I don't know how much money Bratso might be making from doing these travels. I'm sure that there's some overhead. Eight bucks doesn't really seem like that much um, compared to what Popoff and some of these other guys did to people. So maybe maybe he's not making money off of it. I mean, he's On got... On the other it, hand, maybe he's got a bunch of people who are patrons to him who are keeping him well supplied with everything he needs too well and that could be happening as well but Um, you know i mean you also gotta let people do what they want with their stuff i mean if they feel that they're getting their money's worth 
is he really doing a, a superior amount of harm? I mean, to your point about faith healers, when people substitute a gaze for a doctor's visit, we've got problems. Right. Oh, yes. But short of that, I mean, I, I don't want to sound like I'm completely condoning the whole thing because I do think it's a little bit. I don't. I'm not even sure exactly what the word is. I can't. I can't come right out and condemn it and be like, "This is the worst. It needs to stop." Um, but I also don't think it's completely harmless because it is just indulging in that woo of the universe rather than in, you know, the actual fact-based reality. But I'm not sure I'd throw him down as a worst offender. No. No, I wouldn't either. No. I, he seems like he's relatively benign and harmless, um, at least from what I read on his website. He doesn't seem like he's taking you for every money, every bit of money you've got. No, it doesn't. He no, seems he's like not. he's He seems like he's – Based upon what I'm seeing here, I think he actually does believe that when he does this, that he, when he gazes at people, that he is actually sending love and positive energy and that, you know, no worse than praying for people. Yeah, and that's probably true. I mean, I, I, you know, when you really think about it, I mean, I think John of God's a bigger problem because he's doing a lot of tricks and stuff to make it look like he, you know, he does, he has a lot of gimmicks and stuff. Um, you know, John of God will do the stuff like with, um, like they did in Thailand, um, with the with the chicken parts, and he'll do the um, uh, this you know this thing where he stuffs this thing in your nose, and he has a lot of gimmicks that go along with it. And I think that I think that he's doing much more harm than a guy who just gets on stage and and gazes at you. He's not telling you don't go to the doctor. He's not saying you know do this instead. Um, you know you're just getting gazed at. And so yeah, so it's just it's just this kind of magical thinking though that I think leads to other problems. I agree there. Yeah. So Bronzo is a you know is 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 a gateway drug to magical thinking. Eric, can you chime in on this? I, I know that uh, you said somebody stole your six degrees of Kevin Bacon joke. <laughs> oh, that was about it. Um, <laughs> I'm just listening and interested. I haven't had any opinions in it yet. Have you, uh, have you been affected positively by, by Brian being gazed at? Probably not. <laughs> All right. All right. So um... California is a bit far for the energy to travel, I guess. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It's very powerful. <laughs> Energy can – I'm pretty sure it's not limited by I, – I, I'm sure it can travel at at least the speed of light. You know what, though? If it's energy, it's measurable because energy and matter are, are, are one and the same, well, and so if there's energy there, we can measure it. Yeah, and actually that helps us move on to the next thing that me and Brian were at. Yes. Well, actually, let me throw one more thing in here. Okay. If it's a gaze, it's got to move at the speed of light, so it would be to you by now, Eric. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Victor Stanger. Yeah, me, Brian, and Jen went and saw him do a presentation for his new book over the weekend. Um, I'm trying to remember the name of the book. It was Cosmic Creation. Just... Is that the name of it? Because the name of the talk he gave was Cosmic Creation. No, the name of the book is is the fallacy. Oh, come on, load up. Oh, the, the fallacy, fallacy of, of fine tuning. Yeah, so basically he's talking about um, how the universe is not fine-tuned and how it very much is has a random order to it or no order whatso- you know, whatsoever. Yeah. And uh, So the logic of trying to say that the universe is created perfectly for humans is about as weak as it gets because th- there's a lot of stuff that um, goes against that. And oh, I'd, I'd look one right off the bat. I'd look at the Arctic as being a good example of how the world is not designed for us. Well, he's, well, he's talking, talking about, about the universe. universe. As a whole. Yeah. yeah he's well, talking I'm, about how much. I'm going to take, take it down to the earth. 
Yeah, well, there was some stuff there as well, but the size of the universe, all the energy and mass that's out there, it'd be such a waste if all that was just for us because we don't have access to the majority of it. Right. You know, we are a small, 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 small fraction of what's actually in the universe. Well, and the other the other thing that was interesting is that he he doesn't re- he he was very careful about um, referring to the singularity event that started the universe. He never said Big Bang, did he? Um, I think he said it, but not um, from his point of view. He said it was called the Big Bang, or some call right. it the Big Bang. And then he explained how, how it worked. He talked about this singularity, and then he talked about right. um, time and and how and, and you know the effect on time. Um, you know when this happened and everything. And it was it was pretty interesting. Um, I, I think that he's. I think that this is one of the first times he's done this talk. Because he's getting ready for for the for the book tour, so it was. Um, so I think it's still developing a little bit. Um, it seemed like it was a little short and a little rushed, but I think I think that you know as he gets more comfortable with it, um, that it'll be it, it's going to be pretty good. I I'm I can't wait to read the book. Um, he was you know he's definitely an interesting guy. He won a, a Nobel Prize for his work in particle physics, and he's also um, he's the adjunct f- um, uh, professor of philosophy at uh, the University of Colorado. So he's got so that's an interesting mix. He's a physicist and a, and a philosopher, and uh, he certainly um, he he has no uh, tolerance for the for the bogus. Uh, oh, what do I want to say? He, he's very. Um, um, well, you know, are you talking about oh, what the the myth that annoyed him the most? Yeah, you know he he doesn't you know he doesn't have a lot of tolerance for the ignorance of oh like the people who um, like the secret. Yeah. Right. He, yeah. He, he he was asked the question, what um, myths did he like? And he didn't really have a good one for that. But they said, okay, which one annoyed you the most? And he said it was the um, secret kind of stuff where, you know, if you think about it, you can make it happen kind of deal. Right. Yeah. right well, he is he does study quantum physics. He's a professor yes. of it. I've yeah. read some of his other books. Yeah, the people who are like, oh, it's, it's you know, on a quantum level. Yeah, yeah. clearly just annoy that's... the crap out of him. Right. <laughs> yes. No, that's what he was saying. It, he cannot stand that stuff because they clearly don't. <laughs> understand quantum physics at all right. right and them using his his uh his expertise as like this explanation for the woo yeah he's not yeah. shy about it either no he's not and wasn't there a uh, wasn't there a scientist who was talking about adding a new fallacy to the list of logical fallacies called the quantum fallacy that's brian dunning okay yeah yeah, but no, but you know that this is one of the words that we've got to take back because it's it's abused so much by by people that are that want to sell um, stuff that sounds sciencey. Crap. Yeah, that, crap. It's a perfect thing for people who are who are selling illogical, you know, and things that are not common sense. To I mean, because there's a lot about quantum physics that is very counterintuitive, and it it fits into its own little mold. And I'm no quantum physicist at any by any stretch, but it has that as its basis. Is there is some counterintuitive stuff here that is science? And they were like, oh well, if there's science of counterintuitism, I can hit you with all sorts of crap. Here's an armband, you know. I mean, they they go from there, and that's why they love it so much. Yeah, he did an interview um, with somebody from the Center for Inquiry. And where he was talking about this, and he says this comes back from again the it went all the way back to the 1960s before they really understood it um, that people had had this idea that you know that, that you know you could you could interrupt or you could manipulate the the particle at the quantum level and and, and make these changes. And I, and one of the things he said that I, I guess I didn't realize is that time at the quantum level can run backwards and forwards. But it, that doesn't scale up to the macro level because they had asked him about time travel. 
So yeah, so basically, yeah, you cannot affect a particle um, from the macro level at the quantum level through thoughts. And that's right, but there is there is so many things that people just love to hook on to that idea that causality is not a one way street um, that lets you make any claim you want because in quantum physics apparently you can't prove that event A caused event B and also event C can happen for no discernible reason whatsoever so all those kind of things are just are just wonderful for people who have absolutely no science to back up their stuff and it happens just because it happens right I mean they they love it. They totally love it, and and yeah, he's he's really good at talking about how they're misinterpreting it. Yeah, so so that was a lot of fun. So his his book will be coming out. Hopefully, he'll be doing this uh, some more some more lectures and stuff in town, so that more people can go and see him. Because I really he is definitely worth seeing. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm sorry I missed that one. Oh, I, I just said okay, he's definitely worth seeing. Next. Oh yeah, you missed. All right, so let's move on to the uh, to the 12 year old boy who's going to. Uh, uh, rewrite relativity, the theory of relativity, or expand on it. I don't know. What is he? Um, okay. Jason Burnett, who has an IQ of like 170, although one of my problems is they kept comparing him to Einstein, being like, he has a higher IQ than Einstein. And I kept looking at it like, okay, that doesn't mean a thing. Yeah, that's true. If you, if you read on to get into it, he is a mathematical genius. He has a gift. There's no doubt about that. He taught himself math, basically. He's autistic, um, but he, I think he graduated high school. Like, oh, no, he's 12 now, isn't he? Yeah, he's 12. So yeah, he's, he's already in college. So, well, he's you know, in, he, no, that, this is one thing that I couldn't get straight. He's in college for math, but is he in college for English and, and other? And probably. Other, he, yeah? He's graduated high school. Okay. Um, there's more right. stuff about that. Okay. So... And basically, apparently, he even dreams math. He can't sleep at night because all the numbers are going through his head. He has problems like that. Yeah. So, you know, he, he, like I said, there's no doubt he's a mathematical. But I, I got annoyed at first because they kept trying to say, oh, he's smarter than Einstein. And my, every time I saw them, I'm like, that is meaningless. Give me, you know, more. But they did. Um. So basically, right now, he, uh, let's see if, um, he's basically working on the theory of relativity, but I can't remember if he's rewriting it. Or, you know, the headlines are going to give you a bit more. Um, he, yeah, he's working on expanding later. the theory of relativity. Yeah. And, you know, there's a 12 year old kid doing this, and it's kind of crazy to actually have, you know, someone at this level, um, doing this kind of math. You know, I, I I'm good at math, but I, you know, there's definitely a level I can't get to just because it, it, it gets more and more complicated. So, you know, I applaud him. Now, the second article here talks about how he's out to disprove the Big Bang Theory. He doesn't like the Big Bang. He says it disagrees with um, the knowledge that's out there. And, you know, here's the interesting thing about what he says about, about it is he was talking about um, the, the cooling process and about how, how quickly carbon would form. And he and this is where he, he says the base of his problem is, I, I can't believe with how simple it is that, that this hasn't been looked at before. It kind of has been, but it's one of those things, um, you know, how much do we really know? And in some ways it does take someone almost fresh and probably this young to really be able to explore it. Okay. Yeah, in so, fact, we... Well, at our um, lecture we were just talking about, we saw some of that. He was busy talking about the various ideas of the Big Bang. Right. That's true. And it it is, isn't a coherent theory. I, I'll give you that. Yeah. 
And so the, now the thing is, Christians are, of course, busy plotting. Well, but yeah. the truth is, if uh, they shouldn't the, be applauding it because he'll come up with something right, smarter. That's the thing. If he just gives <laughs> the Big Bang, more than likely, looking at this kid, he's going to have something better, like Mac just said. Something that's going to be even more wow, that's perfect, that fits better than what we could have imagined. And that's the way science works. And yet, exactly. you know, the, the Christians are, we have an article we'll talk about in a little bit about the Big Bang versus creationism, and it starts off saying, there's only two possibilities. Right, that's the problem, is it? Yeah. And it's like, they, so, they, they, have this, they have this fallacy that if they think that they can prove the Big Bang theory wrong and evolution the same way, that the only other possibility is creationism. But the problem is, is you still have to have evidence. So let's say that we, we decide tomorrow that the Big Bang theory is wrong and we don't know how it happened. That just means we don't know. We right. need, and that's you know, the thing. Um, Jacob's idea here, if he comes up with a better model than the Big Bang Theory, hey, everyone's going to be looking, going to it saying, wow, that's incredible. That's a better model. Let's follow it. And I... no single scientist is going to sit back and say, oh, the horror that the Big Bang Theory was proven wrong. No, no they're going to be excited to find out what this kid's going to do next. Right. right but, I'm excited. But certainly there's and, some... and the entire scientific method is all about testing a hypothesis and, and proving it wrong. It's, it's mm-hmm. what we're looking for. And yeah, it, the article with the Christians is just so maddening that idea that they think that we're terrified that we're going to to absurd a hypothesis that we've you know we've taken of this is the best evidence this fits the model this fits the the evidence the best so far and they think we're all terrified of losing that and right. meanwhile we're all like you know if you understand scientific method you're like that's great go ahead get you know if you can disprove that 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 opens the door to something else and and as you're saying it certainly doesn't suggest that if that's wrong then therefore they're right <laughs> so let's, know, yeah let's I've, move right on to this article about, i've gone ahead and moved up the article yeah no yeah next. let's 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 move on so this one is from I, actually uh, i wanted to put in two thoughts com? about the einstein comparison okay okay uh first of all this kid has been nurtured from an early age, whereas Einstein pretty much made up everything that he, – he had all these thoughts going through his head, and he never really had the same kind of nurturing that this kid had. Right. The second point is that there's a lot of theories that Einstein himself had Asperger's in. Yeah. Well, and so, the thing is, Einstein – could Einstein have done this if Einstein had all of what Einstein came up with beforehand? You know, that's the other thing. This kid gets to work off of Einstein. Um, that was that was my other thought too. Yeah, yeah. all, all this has got, He's got this this. He's got the shoulders of giants to stand upon, right. and he will probably be a giant himself, assuming that he doesn't burn out at an early age. Right. So. so- you know, I, I applaud his intelligence. You know, I'm not putting him down saying, hey, it's wrong to compare him to Einstein. I'm saying, come come and show him being original. Show what he's actually doing because that's so much more important than saying he's smarter than Einstein. You know, the, the, he has similarities to Einstein, stuff like that. So much more important to say, hey, he's doing something. This is how his mind works because that's what's really important. Can I also put in a, a thing that annoyed me about these articles too is the, the uh, uh, harping on the fact that he has Asperger's system and is autistic. Um, they kind of make it sound like, you, you know, especially with all the anti-vax stuff, you know, they just they love pointing out any time there's another instance of, of autism. And from what I got from the article, because it was really unspecific, and I unfortunately didn't have time to investigate it further, but there was really no talk about how severe a it's, condition yeah, had. It's not very severe. And in fact, Asperger's they said it was the mild ones. No, but yeah. did, you, did any of you watch the video? The I'm sorry, what was I'm sorry, Eric, I stepped on you. Was, it, they lead off in, in, the, in the title of the article as Autistic Boy 12, and then they say, oh, that's a minor. Right. Well, when they go into there. did of you course, watch the video? Did anybody watch the other than me watch the video? 
I didn't. He he is yeah. he is. A, I mean, if he may have Asperger's, and it may have delayed some some of um, some of his language skills and stuff like that. But the way that he talks is very clear. We, um, when he's going through the equations and everything, he shows a, a, certainly a mastery of the of, of the equations. He never really talks about what the equations mean, but he just kind of goes through the equations and the different pieces of them. And he's, I mean, he's a very high functioning um, autistic. So, so he, I mean, and it's a spectrum disorder. He's very low on the spectrum as far as severity. Exactly. Right. And, and I course, just wanted to point that out because, you know, it, he sounds to me from, from what they were saying here, I'm betting 15 years ago he wouldn't have been diagnosed. And yeah. it, it goes back to it, – it's a bigger conversation about the anti-vax stuff because they've changed what is diagnosed and what isn't, you know, um, makes it sound like there's this explosion. And this just seemed to me another example of somebody who I bet you, given what, what little we know about here – um, cause he is so high functioning that they would have just said, well, he's just really smart. He's into his own thing. You know what I'm saying? Like there, there's just right. not all that, um, the, the autism thing is, is such a buzzword these days. And I just think it's so overused. And in some Boy, ways it's, a, it's eccentric. It, well, yeah. it's, it's kind of a red herring too, because they, they, they want to, they, when, they, when you think autistic, you do not think. Um, immediately of of a boy like this, of a boy genius, you you think of somebody who's severely handicapped. Yeah, right. they they want to throw they want to throw the thought out there that he's brilliant, but there's something with him. Right, and there's nothing wrong with this kid. The boy you know? ain't right. <laughs> And I bet that he doesn't have even have a lot of social problems like some autistics do. You know, he's clearly interacting with people older than him in situations where he's teaching them math. You know, he he's so he's assisting the other people in his college courses, and he's so he doesn't have you know a lot of um, Aspergers people. They, they they don't like crowds. They don't want to be around people. He doesn't seem to have quite those issues. Um, maybe he does. Um, they didn't, uh, didn't come up with another the thing with Aspergers is a lot of times Asperger's people tend to get really frustrated trying to explain what they know and apparently he doesn't have right. any difficulty teaching others so this which seems, means he's yeah. got good communication skills so I, I don't know for sure but it seems like this uh, that Kim is right that he wouldn't he might not have been um, even diagnosis um, autistic years ago before they you know kind of broadened the broadened the um, um, the diagnosis and so, in fact there is no such thing as Asperger's as we've discussed before not anymore. Right, it's autism. Right. Yep, autism spectrum so, disorders. Yeah. So anyway, so the kid is brilliant. No, there's no doubt about that. Um, he may he may have some some handicaps that that I, I didn't see in the video. Um, and clearly he he developed late, but it hasn't affected him. Um, you know he he's been able to to really shine, and so he you know he he's a brilliant kid, and that's you know and that and that's great. So so, so then the follow up to this is uh, what I was talking about. Um, it is entitled The Big Bang Theory versus God's Word, and it's christiancourier.com. Um, I, I love the follow-up. The Place for Reasonable Faith. <laughs> now, the, um, the article, um, after dogging on John Clayton, who apparently um, believes in God, but also believes in evolution and the Big Bang, says straight up, basically there are two views of the origin of the universe. One of these is the supernatural position set forth in the book of Genesis with ample confirmation from other inspired writings. Which writings? Uh, then, what? What, what, what do, I, I want to know what the, what the, what the ample um, confirmative writings are. Yeah. 
It doesn't say. It just only makes references back to the book of Genesis. And the fact that they're saying inspired writings indicates that they believe very clearly that these writings were, in fact, divinely inspired. Right. Right. Circular references. (laughs) (laughs) Then the next paragraph starts off, the second view of the beginning of the universe is wholly materialistic. That's a bad word. Yeah, apparently the fact that we are actually part of the universe, that we're made from the same stuff as stars and stuff like that, is materialistic somehow. I've never quite figured that out. But, um, so, you know, the article itself is obviously way centered. And it dogs on the science of the Big Bang, um, gets into some of the um, flaws in it, which, once more, we have Jacob there seeing flaws himself, as do many other scientists. And here they they always make the same assumption though that because that there's a few flaws the whole thing is wrong right and and, and then, which is a logical fallacy as well sure this then they get into the cosmic egg which is what they're calling um the singularity that started the big bang and of course the same old question where did it come from you know how could it always have existed was it poached like or was it scrambled. You know, somehow they can have the God that has always been, but they can't have a universe that has always been. Or they can't, you know, that, that's always bothered me is the fact that, you know, th- their beginning cannot, can, has no beginning or end. Our beginning has to have a beginning. It you know, can't have always existed. And once more in the talk, me and Brian went to, um, what's his, I can't remember his Victor name. Victor Stanger. He, yeah, Stanger talked about how actually there are ways that the universe can have no beginning or end. And explain that in you know his writings. So and here's a, this this is a, an uncomfortability for them. You know, for me, it, it, it's okay not to know, right? We're investigating. The thing that we do know is that everything seems to have come from a central location, and that the energy is ex- or the universe is expanding and it's speeding up. It's not slowing down. So we know. So it looks like it's being pushed by something. Those are the things that we do know, right? So we have to explain those somehow, and the Big Bang is an attempt to do that. Creationism is not. It doesn't explain any of those things. Creationism is merely an attempt to say there's some big brother out there watching out for us. Yeah. And, of course, throughout the whole article, all it does is rip apart the Big Bang theory. It doesn't at any point find any true defense outside of the Bible of the Bible in creationism, which is always, one to me, one of the great flaws in this argument they have. It's like it's it's fine to say, hey, I found flaws in yours, but then you have to go back and come up with you know stuff to find to back up your own as being um, a better choice. And at no point do they do that. At no point do they actually present anything that shows you better evidence that the Bible and Christianism are true. So, yeah. And was this a brand new article, Ian, um, that you found? Because it seemed to reference a whole lot of really old, old stuff. Probably not. It, it was actually I found it through the articles on Jacob there. Um, you know, they don't had a link yeah. to it. They don't date it. Most it's, recent reference, yeah, the said references is two thousand three. Yeah. So there you go. So it's old anyway. But but that's okay. I mean, it it, it does kind of exemplify the point that they want to make that uh, that uh, there there was no Big Bang and evolution is false. Right. How do you, how do you feel about that, Eric? Evolution is false. Those two don't have anything to do with each other, <laughs> other than that a lot of time is involved. Yeah. Great point. Yeah, excellent point. All right, so we are at an hour. So uh, is there anything else? I, I wanted to hit Bigfoot real quick. Um, okay, and I else? want to dog on um, Newt. Okay, go ahead. Let's dog on Newt. <laughs> okay. I don't go. know how many people have heard of this one, but um, in a recent recent speech to a Christian congregation, Newt Gingrich. Yeah. Gingrich. Gingrich. Um, 
think was it's pronounced to... King Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> was showing that he doesn't quite understand um, certain things. Either that or he really was playing some weird game that he, for some reason, thought no one would mock him for. But in the speech, he says, I have two grandchildren. Maggie is 11. Robert is nine. I am convinced that if we do not decisively win the struggle over the nature of America, by the time they are my age, they will be in a secular atheist country, potentially one dominated by radical Muslims and with no understanding of what it once meant to be an American. So I think we should ask ask the devout atheist about this. <laughs> you sure you want to start me on a political discussion? No, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> of course I do. Doors open. <clears throat> I mean, it, the the whole thing is so ridiculous. I, I I I love the idea that by the time his grandkids are older, that we're living in a secular nation. Um, I would certainly welcome that. I am surprised that he thinks the secular nation is going to be run by the Muslims. However, since that doesn't seem to <laughs> Well, what it sounds like to me was he was basically just, he was giving the speech to Christians, and he figured, okay, if I want them to follow me, I have to pick on their two main enemies and somehow link them, even though there's no logic or rationale that does. Well, it's a complete non sequitur. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no way to connect. They're not compatible in the way that he wants them to be a bunch of atheists that are ruled by Muslims. <laughs> It really does show how, yeah. how buzz – it's just a, a collection of buzzwords. It is. Yeah. A, it yeah. make a damn bit of sense. But it, it does it, – but it riles up that base. Muslim atheists have got to – I mean, and that really should – has to be turned into a t-shirt of some kind of being a devout Muslim atheist somehow. But it's just so ridiculous. But it's it scares the crap out of them. Those are the worst things in the world. If you put them together, you have like the Reese's peanut butter cup of death. <laughs> <laughs> I like to eat the inside first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So it. I mean, the it, he's he's just using fear mongering, and he knows he knows the two things that that scare the Christians most: atheists and Muslims. So lump them together, and you have a double threat. Oh, and he's buzzwording is what he's doing. Yeah. He's he's basically throwing out inflammatory words to get people into a riled up state so that. Uh, they do what he wants. Right. Elect him in 2012. I, I don't know how. I didn't know how they weren't ruled by gay Muslim atheists. I mean, that, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That really was a, an easy shot that he completely missed. That yeah. was a shame. Yeah, that's that actually kind of sad. You're right. He, he should have gone for the he should have gone for the holy trifecta. Right. Who took everybody else's guns? <laughs> <laughs> Welcoming immersions. That's it. All right. Did everybody watch the Bigfoot video? I did not yeah. watch the video. You didn't watch the video. All, all twelve seconds of it? Yeah. Yeah. Well so of a guy in a suit walking across the road. Sure. Exactly. Oh, yeah, it's it's totally a guy in a suit. And the other thing that um on Monster Talk, um that uh oh I can't even remember his name now. Anyway, he, he said that the other thing is that it's uniformly blurry. Not blurry in spots, not out of focus here and there. It's completely blurry. And he says the only way to really accomplish that is to take the video and process it, you know, and, and add that blur to it. So, I mean, clearly the, the thing has been doctored. 
and the comments, you know, people pointed out, wow, can you imagine, you know, having a full three and a half seconds before the, the creature got to the road to get your video camera out, to stop the car, to get out of it, have the camera on, have it focused on it, close enough so that you could hear it, blurry enough that you can't see it. Just amazing yeah. the amount of coincidence that yeah. went into this thing. Yeah, well, so. what, what cameras nowadays are that bad? Even the cheapest None of cheap them. cameras anymore. You're not going to yeah. find even a single a, camera without autofocus. Even a Fender camera off of, or a dashboard camera off of a state patrol car would get better res- resolution than that. Yeah. Right, but so. again, in the comments of that article, the believers were all over the place. And they were, you know, just, you know, tell the man, you know, the skeptics are going to try to keep you down. But, you know, you tell those Muslim atheists, that, guys, we know, we know Bigfoot is here. And, and it's in North Carolina. Wait, 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 wait. You, the Muslim atheists know that the, that the gay Bigfoot is here. <laughs> I guess the real question here is, is Bigfoot? conservative or is he a liberal <laughs> uh, um, actually you know i'm looking at that beard i'm thinking he's a liberal <laughs> he's something to be feared so he must be a liberal <laughs> like superman he can be neither oh, okay <laughs> all right and then the other last thing that i had here was uh was a link to the uh gimp crack and this is a um a local guy and he and i found out about this i met him at um um uh, when we went to see Brazo, uh, he he was there and he told me about his comic and I couldn't read it on. Yeah, I tried to look it on my phone. I, I got home and I read it. It was I, I thought it was cute. Basically, um, the Chupacabra is being kicked out of the Monster League because uh, he, he, there's he always ends up being a dog with mange. So I, I thought it was funny. So I put that cute. in here. Yeah. So hopefully he'll have more. He he. I think that he he's working on a Brazo one. That's what he told me. He says that he wanted to do one for for Brazo. So I I can't wait to see what he comes up with. I've got my Brazo cover already for this podcast. <laughs> oh, you do? Yeah. I've got it in my mind. Excellent. It's gonna look. It's gonna look magnificent. Great. Excellent. Is there anything the else? Skeptics. Anything no, this else has been there? a blast. Thanks for having oh, me. Oh, hey, on. you know, anytime. Hey, thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, please yeah. come back anytime. Eric, thanks. Jesus, thanks for coming. I'm sorry I started without you. Fear. Okay. <laughs> Actually, started on time for once. Yes, we did. Well, and well, we we started a little earlier. We tried to. <laughs> I we tried. I had I had technical difficulties. All right. Well, that's not it. If there's not anything else, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. For more information about the Amateur Skeptics, go to AmateurSkeptics.com. To send us feedback, suggestions, or big flaming insults, feel free to contact us at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. Other contact information can be found on our website. You can leave a voicemail for the Amateur Skeptics Podcast at 720-295-7785. Music for this podcast was provided by OFM. To find out more about OFM, go to myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons, no derivatives, 3.5 license. Thank you for listening to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast. Amateur Skeptics website, Facebook, and podcast album art is provided by and copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraiture. Larger prints or custom pieces are available upon request.